pension veterans, and everyone who's ready to change their lives. Welcome to the Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. Join your host, Marine Corps trained motivator, Christina Silva, as she connects with experts, innovators, and military heroes. Now, let's get started. Here is Christina Silva. Yeah. Welcome, welcome everyone to our worldwide platform of military and veteran support. Educating our veterans live is a mission that is for a lifetime as we reach out to our military comrades and their families with resources, resolve, and readiness. And each week we promise you special guests that have endured military careers, they've transitioned, and they also have an interest in leadership. And we welcome Mrs. Delphine Metcalf-Foster, a major and prominent leader concerned about specific audiences that she may glean from them and they from her over years of a lifetime in policymaking, representation, diversity, inclusion, and legacy. Welcome Delphine Metcalf-Foster to the Christina Silva Show. Thank you, Christina. Ms. Delphine, it was very, very honorable to have you on the show because it's something that I earned. And today, sharing the highlights from your long and illustrious career will help our audience to see truly what it means to be a volunteer, but also to become an advocate for others that may not have a voice. And so as I look along your bio, I'm going to be picking out highlights to share from your 21-year-plus United States Army career and as a retiree, and also the first African-American female national commander of the DAV, Disabled American Veterans Organization. And throughout the show, we'll take from your amazing growth periods in the Northern California area at Vallejo, where you were born, and we'll share with your current seats that you're holding and some of the amazing accomplishments along the way from the podium to the community that you have given us to learn from. So thank you so much for sharing with us first where you came from and how you knew you were a natural born leader from a very young age. Yes, thank you again, Christina. Yes, I came and born and raised in Vallejo, California, the same town that I live in now. Uh, my father, uh, Joseph Robert Taylor, was a Buffalo soldier in the uh, all-black cavalry, the 9th cavalry. He served honorably during the Spanish-American War, being discharged in 1903 at the Presidio, where he would settle down and raise his family in Vallejo, California. I had a son who is now deceased. He was a Navy veteran, a daughter that went to basic training with me. We will talk about that a little later. I have a granddaughter, Sergeant Jakari Hoven, who is a veteran and served 13 months in a tour in Iraq. And last but not least, my legacy of female veterans, my great granddaughter is now currently at the Army Basic Training in Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. Mm, speechless. What an incredible legacy of decades of learning about military regiment and also how to be resilient and how to make change come about through using the right legislative route. So route, resilience, and resolution all go together in the pathway that you took to become the woman 
and the retired first sergeant of the United States Army, you will always be a mom and a wife. How would you like to share with your community audiences listening a thank you to bring you along that road with such great support and belief in you? you know, well, I, I like to thank many, many people because the numbers are just too high for me to even start. Uh, first of all, of course, my parents who are not living at this time, but their memory of me and what they've done for me and the strong perseverance coming from Alabama uh, in the early 1940s, uh, it had laid really a path for me. When I became commander for the state of California in 2004, I was approached by a girlfriend that uh, we went to school together and she stopped me and she said, Delphine, congratulations. Saw your picture in the paper, you're just like your father. Well, I stopped and I thought my father passed when I was five years old. How did she know anything about my father? So I asked her about that. And she's one of the historians here in Vallejo. And she keeps all the history of everything that happens here in this town. And she told me, she said, your father had to fight the county and the city of Vallejo to let the colored troops in the veteran building. And I looked at her and I said, Really? Where did you get that from? She said, I want you to go to Vallejo Paper, 1934, and see it. And I was just floored. I was floored for a couple reasons, because it's the first veterans building that I attended my first DAV meeting. And to think that my father had to fight and sue the county to get me in there says volumes. That is just such great legacy to give our audience a knowledge point about what Vallejo, California is known for. It's in the San Francisco Bay Area and it's home to Six Flags Discovery Kingdom and a huge amusement park. But moreover, it's known for its naval and historical museums and monuments. And when you think back to 1911, Vallejo is graced with the Empress Theater and so many landmarks, including an American Legion and other places that veterans can commune and their families to be remembered, but the VA hospital and other great places like the Presidio are places we can visit to understand the heritage we're going to be discussing today that you have made it a point and aim to preserve. So with your dad's service in the 1900s, back then in the Army, we had one, two, or three types of Army enlistments. And for our multicultural Army soldiers, tell us about some of the challenges and some of the most wonderful progressive moments we've made as, as army members since your dad enlisted all the way through your granddaughter. Would you like to share? Well, it's very obvious the Spanish-American War and the Ninth Cavalry were all African-Americans. So we've had, we've made a very big adjustment in this country with women and with African-Americans, with people of color. Let me just say that. Um, I am so blessed to have seen this uh, through my years. Um, I have went to many places to get history about what was going on because we were taught our history in school. We were taught history, but nothing about our black soldiers. So it has been really a really journey for me to find out really what he did. I do remember sitting on his lap, looking at the black and white pictures he would show me. Uh, and he was always so joyful with those pictures. Uh, and as I, I grew up as a young child, when he passed away, I used to see Navy uh, soldiers coming to Vallejo, and I used to ask my mom, why are they all coming here? And she gave me the history about Mare Island. 
Okay. And I started thinking, wow, dad would be so proud. He hadn't seen this. And so I, in my mind, I started thinking, what about the rest of my family? What, how do they have to suffer with this? But I wanted to make a change. And I'll never forget, I'm going to go forward now. When I was working at Lebanon Army Medical Center, there was a major. Her name was Major White. And she came, I was a nurse at the time, LVN. And she came up to my floor and she says, Delphine, I'd like to speak, speak with you. Well, when your supervisor comes up to your floor, you know, it's like, what did I do wrong? First thing you think of, which I did. <laughs> and she says, I've been noticing you. And, you know, I want to tell you something. You're a born leader. And I looked at her and I said, born leader, really? And she said, oh, yes. You know, you're the president of the union and what have you. But I see how you lead. I see how you respect a general just like you do a private. And being a civilian here, you know, as a military, of course, we put other people ahead of certain people with rank. But you're in the, you're in the position where you show that everybody's the same. And I like that about you. And she said, that's leadership abilities. And she said, have you ever thought about going into the military? And I said, yes, when my dad was alive, but after I found out that you couldn't ride horses anymore in the military, I wanted to give it up. She started <laughs> laughing. And I said, she said, no, you would be a prime example because you know, there's a myth about women in the military. And when she said that, my antennas went, went up. I said, a myth? What is that? She said, most of the women, you know, they feel that women go in the military, they have no job. They're looking for a husband. They're looking to run away from home. She said, and I'll just tell you my story. She said, I was born in the South and my mom and dad could not send me to college. I joined the army and received the GI Bill when I got out and went to college and I became an officer when I came back. She said, those type of things. She said, but you don't need that. You have a husband, you have children, and you have nothing but leadership and experience to bring us. And I was sitting there and I was just thinking in my mind, like I said, thought back to my dad. My mind thought back to the sailors that would come to our house and, and mom would feed them dinner. And my mind would go back to all those things. And for this person to say that I was a leader and I could do this was just amazing to me. Okay, I'll never forget her. So, but she told me, she said, but uh, Delphine, your age, you might, you have about six months to make up your mind whether you want to go in and not, but you could really help our women. You could really bring something to them. She said, you know, it's one thing that people bring things to you, but when you bring something to them, and she said, it makes a big difference. Yes. The wisdom, she said, that you have, maybe they have never even thought of. So I went home. And I told my husband, at the time he was in the Navy, he was just getting ready to retire. And he just about laughed me out of the house. <laughs> and he says, no one's gonna tell you what to do. I can't believe this woman, who is she? And I explained it to him and he says, and I explained, well, this is just reserves. I'm too old to go into regular army and have to go into the United States Army Reserve. And he says, well, you can do it, but I just know you can't make it there. Well. You know, people always told me what I couldn't do, and I've broken barriers, as you know. Yes, ma'am. Always been something in me about not being able to do something. Okay. So at the time, my daughter was in high school. She says, Mom, this is ridiculous. 
there's no way you're going to keep up with 18 and 19-year-olds in the military in basic training. I said, really, Linda? I said, well, it seems to me that I can beat you on the bike running, I mean, biking, and I can run faster than you, and so <laughs> it must be something wrong. Uh, I don't know where you think I'm coming from, but I look at you guys, and I think I can do it. I said, matter of fact, why don't you do this? I said, you know, now this was in the 70s. I said, you know, this is a hippie time for you. I said, you don't know what you want to do. You're walking around in your Birkenstocks and what have you. You know, why don't you join with me? And so she had a couple of young ladies over with her, and they were teasing her. I said, Linda, you do that. Go and do it. She said, I'm going to do this, but my mother's going to look really silly when she comes back home. <laughs> well, to make a long story short, as you know, Christina, she lasted two weeks, and I lasted 21 years. And in my training, I thought so many times back about Major White because she was right. We all have something to bring to people. And I guess being my age, being experienced, knowing uh, the ranks of the military, working at the Presidio in a government job, I, I kind of had heads up on it. But what they did for me also, they trained me in many MOSs, which I am so grateful for today. I had many mentors that would stop me at reserves and says, Delphine, you know, I want you to try to go to another school for another MOS. Well, I didn't know. I'm, I said, well, I have my MOS. I was a, a 901 Bravo, which at the time was a medic. And they, she looked at me. She said, but you know what? You're going to be challenging some men. And men, I don't, they don't have too many MOSs. And I'm seeing something in you. And I think you can, the more you have, the more it's going to look good on the paper. Outstanding. Well, everyone, we are talking with our legend, Delphine Metcalf-Foster, about legacy, heritage, and advocacy today on The Christina Silva Show. And educating our veterans live for her is natural, natural fight, natural fervence, and faith. Delphine, we want to thank you for so many parts of your experience, but mm -hmm. even in this first quarter of the show, we are allowed to define history and legacy at Vallejo, which is part of Solano County, mm -hmm. and it is a major place that has beauty surrounding it from the Golden Gate Bridge to the waters to wine country, but to know what a Buffalo soldier means through your dad, let us thank him for his service atop a horse as a cavalryman in the United States Army in the 1900s. And let us thank the newspaper journalist that still was looking for artifacts from that era to honor you. And what destiny to run into her to find the article that yes. is graced on CRS Multimedia for everyone to see after the show about the fight your dad made. Now, he was an outstanding soldier, not just joining the Army. He made strides there as well that we'll hear about from you. But we want to give one more definition about the Presidio because it's another special landmark that marries up your destiny. You've got a centrifugal force about your life that someone else pronounced in and out of you throughout your life from your dad's knee at age five to the time you got out of the military serving in Desert Storm, bringing back hundreds of soldiers with you. And we're going to find out about how you did overcome challenges, trauma unto triumph. The history of the Presidio was serving a military audience on a reservation since 1776, one of the longest garrisons posts in the country. It's a beautiful place to visit because we understand the United States and the cost of freedom. So share with us 
the Navy and the Army, how your son chose Navy, your daughter chose Army, and your dad was on a horse. Oh, yes. You have to hear that. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Mom, your dad, your son, and your daughter for their service, because we want our veteran and military family members to know one day on the yellow feet is serving. Two weeks for your daughter is service. And we want to thank her for her service and your son for his sailing services as well. And my granddaughter. And your granddaughter. Yes. 13 months in Iraq. And now my great-granddaughter, who will be graduating on the 8th of next month. Yes, ma'am. You just shake your head and I shake my head and I think, you know, in a world like today, in my era, which is part of your many eras, uh, the Persian Gulf era has offered us a lot of differences as women because in the 80s and 90s, there were still some of the oppressions we see today. And so I just want to say a very special thank you and how we rehearse for the show on our talking points when it really rolls out to the world. We have a sisterly connection, but when I met you, it was uh, part of the destiny of my life, discovering purpose, God, faith, powerful energies of the universe. It draws you to your purpose, even if you try to quit. So today is about perseverance in your story. And when I met you, I didn't wear nylons, but you made sure that with every suit, I wear nylons in 2020. (laughs) Now in 2021, I'm back to high heels and painted toes, but you just are such an outstanding role model of grace and and leadership. And, And I want you to just thank some of your family members in a very special way to be proud of them um, when they're not expecting you to give them a compliment from your, your dad to your great-great-granddaughter, would you? Oh, yes. Well, I compliment them all the time. You know, and I tell them, I said, you know, you're part of history. You have to remember that. As African-Americans, we don't get too much history told to us. And I want them to know how important that is. I think I mentioned to you when we were talking, when I went to Sonoma State University, and this was after... I retired from the government and the military to get my degree. And I was asked to, when they found out I was a combat veteran, a female combat veteran, the history teachers would ask me to come to class to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And that opened my eyes on things too. Something's not being told. Many of those students didn't know that women did anything but sit behind the desk or was a nurse. And when they heard my story, when they were asking questions. They were, they were just like floored. And I'm thinking, where are we in the history books? Not only just females, but people of color. Where are we? So I made an effort to do that. And I really yes. enjoyed it. And still, I'm going to schools, uh, even high schools now, uh, when they request me to come and tell them the real history because it's not in the books. And if we that have been there can't share it with them, they still won't have it. So that's my flight to make sure they know. Most definitely. You know, I always say, one of my favorite quotes is, a child cannot be what a child cannot see. If I cannot see someone and someone tell me, there's a nice road down here, or this is the way I should go, but I don't see that person have done it. It was the same with me. As I was growing up, how could someone tell me something when I looked around and I didn't see you doing that? So I wanna make that change with the young people. And that's why I work with the young people and volunteering, as, as you know, with the VA. And that's how my great-granddaughter decided to go in the military. When she was 10 years old, she volunteered with me at Martinez VA. And I told her when she passed around the magazines, sit down and listen to the history. This is where you're going to get history. Well, right. fans, 
from reading to newspaper articles to magazines to online, finding out about Army careers and learning from your family mates and others that you revere, watching them in a military career, you have destiny on your life. And so when I met Ms. Delphine, met Kath Foster 12 years ago, my destiny is still going by bringing you her story live on the Christina Silva Show. We're going to take a quick break and get into the real meat of our conversation because it is a conversation that you're welcome to tap into with our special guest, the legendary Delphine Metcalf Foster, and we'll be right back right after these words. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Attention veterans, are you ready to be your own boss? It's time to launch your own ideas into reality. Discover your clean writing style. Gear up with Marine Corps trained motivator, Christina Silva. Christina is a positive energy promoter with a special gift in connecting with innovators. Get the Military Heroes 411 and glean from experts every week by listening to The Christina Silva Show. We're educating our veterans live on The Christina Silva Show, live at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to The Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. If you'd like to call in during our live show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. For more information about the show, email crsprods at gmail.com. That's crsprods at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Well, now that we know who Mrs. Delphine Metcalf Foster is, we know she's no one to play with. She has the rank of a first sergeant and a first sergeant in the United States Army has the same billet and set of responsibilities as do Marine Corps, Air Force, Space Force, Navy, and our Coast Guard and the DOD follow. So there is a chaplain's office in your vicinity if you're stationed on active duty abroad, deployed or stateside. And we always want to give you resources and answers on the Christina Silva show of where you can go as you listen to the more serious side of the legacy of Delphine Metcalf Foster, the individual, the female and the leader. So you want to know about the VA crisis hotline. The number is 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. And you also want to know that you belong because we support you on the show. I am a speaker communicator and I am a moderator. I handle the platform to invite guests like Mrs. Delphine Metcalf Foster to come and enlighten and expand our knowledge as civilians and also for military members from their camis to their civvies, so they have power knowing their benefits in uniform and before they retire. So today, Mrs. Delphine Metcalf Foster is a trusted agent. 
She has served. She's still serving. And she's got the answers because of the legacy she's lived on how to get your unique non-cookie cutter programs approved with the DAV at the VA. And she's going to share with us her active duty service story while she was deployed fighting for our freedom. Take it away, First Sergeant Retired Delphine Metcalf-Foster. Great. November 1990, I was working at Alameda Naval Air Station as a quality assurance work leader in electronics. And I received a call from my general to tell me that I had 72 hours to get my troops over to Camp Parks because we had been called up for active duty. So as we know, we always should be ready, and we were ready. Went over to Camp Parks for two weeks, did our training, and off to Saudi Arabia. My company was the 689th Quartermaster Company out of Oakland, California, which was a grave registration company. First day we hit land over to Saudi Arabia, my troops were just so nervous. Well, we all were. My CO, everybody was very nervous, very hungry. So as we got into a bus to take us to the mess hall, we didn't know where we were going. All of a sudden, there was this gentleman that was walking along the road, and the bus driver just hit him. And it was like, what is happening here? And everybody, Tom, did you see that? What are we getting into? I mean, it was just like, oh, everybody was panting. And I'm thinking, oh, no. With that cooled down, but still, two days later, we had no blankets. It was very cold, very windy in Saudi Arabia. Had no blankets. Some of us had to sleep in body bags. Can you imagine? You know, you're in a combat zone and you have to sleep in a body bag until you get your blankets. It worked on all of us. Saudi Arabia, as far as my troops, I loved them dearly. They were my battle buddies. They took care of me. I took care of them. After being there for three months, there was someone making a, making a tent, putting up a tent. And all of a sudden, the tent pole fell on my back. So they picked me up and said, are you okay? But at the time, I was breathing very heavily. And they said, well, you know, we need to take you to the medics to see what's going on. Well, found out it was part of my heart. Okay. I went to Lawnstuhl, Germany, and they did a cardiac cath, and they hit a nerve in my leg, and I couldn't walk. So I was medevac back to Travis Air Force Base, and I just want to plug two people in when I'm talking about this. There was a command sergeant major, Joe Sweeney. There was a command sergeant major, Roberto Santiago, who met me at Travis. I had just the clothes on my back. And I went to Letterman Army Medical Center and was there for a couple months until they came to ask me, tell me that I could get out on a medical discharge. And I said, no medical discharge. I took my troops over there. I want to go back and pick them up. A lot of them really were upset at that. You know, the higher ups said, well, you don't. I said, I understand. But by that time also, I was getting letters from my troops. As you know, Troops look at the first sergeant, you know, with good, bad, and indifferent, they can talk to us. And I was getting letters saying, Top, please come back, what have you. And I guess you could think that's when my image came in as a mother. You know, I'm thinking, I'll leave these troops over here, you know. So to make a long story short, uh, I asked a doctor with medication, what have you, could I go back and pick up my troops? I thought it was coming, we were coming right back, we did not. 
we had to stay, uh, was it three or four more months? They helped, you know, get, break down all the equipment for other uh, companies also. <laughs> when I look at this, and I'm going to hopefully one day before it's not too late, write a book about even specifics of my troops, how they were and how, how I was to them. I was very, I have to give you a couple scenarios. I'll never forget when we first got there, I had to put a roster down for KP. And you know, reservists, they don't, they're not there every day to pull KP like active duty. So, but I told them they had to do the KP. And I took the list up and lo and behold, the two that I selected went up and to the mess hall. But I never left my troops behind. Not that I was spying on them, but I want to make sure they're okay. We're in a country nobody knows. We're there. They're my troops. So I'll never forget going up to the mess hall. And two of them, the two I sent up there, came running to me and said, Top, could you get us out of here? And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, oh, this, this sergeant said that, you know, we're just reservists. And we do not do active duty. But while you're here, you're going to be doing these. I want you to sweep the ground, the dirt. And I said, oh, wow, really? Could you please show me that person? And they say, sure. I said, now you're telling, my troops told me the truth about things. They say, yes, we're telling you the truth. So I'll never forget going into his office and he had a command sergeant major with him. And they saw me and how are you doing and what have you. And I told him, I said, well, I need to talk to you, sergeant. And the command sergeant major left. And I said, sir, I said, do you have a problem with reservists? And he looked at me, he said, I will know, ma'am. I said, well, let me just tell you something. Let me give you a little history. Reservists sometimes has more than you think you have being in this military. I said, one of them that you were talking to is an engineer in Silicon Valley. Yes, he's an E5. We're all here for our country. It doesn't matter what job you have. I said, the other one is a mathematician. And he's a little E5. I said, can you get those type of jobs you think when you leave here? And he looked at me. I said, so never, so we're here for our government. We're here for our people. So we are all one together. I don't ever want to see you do that again. And I, I'll never forget it. They, and then the trust my troops had because I stood up for them, you know, and they would, they would keep saying, you know, that's why they wanted me back when I even was injured because they said, you will stand up for us. You will stand up for us. Uh, there were times, as I said, that, you know, you had to go retrieve the bodies and put them in the body bag sent it back to the States. And it wasn't until later that I found out when I was in a mental health class, and they can see that on that link also that you have in mind, that a person asked me, he said, what did you do wrong, Delphine? I said, what do you mean what did I do wrong? Well, they put people that they don't want to have any kind of position in a, into companies like a uh, grave registration. I mean, did you make somebody mad or what have you? And I said, you have to be kidding. And he said, no. So I did some research myself, and I found that to be true. World War II, World, all these people that were in grave registration were people, of course, there's uh, of color, but people that didn't have any type of education. And I got to thinking, wow, this is true. I learned a lot going over to Desert Storm, good, bad, and indifferent. But that gave me history also. That gave me a lot of history, what people were really thinking. And sometimes we don't know that. We just assume you know, well, we all are all the same, you know, I'm going to, you know, put you into this uh, MOS because you're this. But there we go again about history. Sometimes if we know our history, we would know a little bit more than 
that was not just a favor of you being in there. But I was able to overcome it, like I said, you know, and like I go back to uh, Sergeant Major Sweeney and Santiago, who were there for me, period, when I came back and worked with me all the time I was on active duty, which was over a year when I came back from uh, Saudi Arabia, because I was on, on a medical hold. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it, it uh, had its good, its bad. I still am talking to a lot of my troops because they are still in the area. Uh, a lot of us had, have had to go to the VA, and it's, I'm going to bring this in now, where when we came back from Saudi Arabia, we were met by the DAV, Transitional Service Officers. They met my company, and they were telling us all about our benefits and things, and I'm thinking, wow, I knew nothing about this. And I always kept that in my mind, even uh, when, although I had to stay in the hospital that period of time, it was always in my mind. So when I returned to my job, which was in Alameda Naval Air Station, most of the guys I was working around were Vietnam veterans. And they would tell me, they said, Delphine, don't sit here. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've been gone a year and a half. I'm, this is my, no, 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 we don't mean that. Don't be like we were. We came back from Nam. We didn't want to be bothered with the VA. We didn't want to be, people were spitting on us and all this. So we just cut everything loose. We don't want you to do that. I said, oh, right. And he said, yes. Did someone come back and meet you when you came back and tell you about your benefits? And I told him, yes. And I told him who it was. And the rest is history about DAV with that. Because when I retired in 96, that's where I went for DAV to help them out because they helped myself and my troops out. And they have a reputation, like I said, from Vietnam veterans that told me about them. Wow, this is so marvelous listening to you. You're such a grand storyteller. I cannot wait to participate in watching you birth your book about your amazing legacy, a living legacy. And you share so eloquently about your trauma of years and years of recovery. And we want to give a very supportive and comforting, very empathetic reach and hand up to our veterans that are serving when we come back disabled, but able-bodied in our minds. It's still a wholeness that we seek for our lives after we've seen what we see deployed or even stateside when we can't go, there's a remorse that we did not get selected to fight for our country, but we each have destiny on our lives. So we just want to thank everyone from every era of your family and everyone listening that has served, wanted to serve, couldn't serve, was drafted, and that was hurt or didn't make it, but those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice every Christina Silva show. We thank you for your service and to our families, our dependents and youth, and with all that's going on in the world and to the 13 that we most recently honor and revere one naval soldier and a soldier from the Army with 13 Marines, we will never forget. And here on this show, Mrs. Delphine Metcalf-Foster certainly won't forget because she is handling a role with the DAV to date in her volunteerism, and so am I as a claims service officer, chapter two. We are volunteers. And if you are not met by the DAV directly, they have totally transformed their system into an online engine that will get you the help you need to navigate towards your earned benefits in housing, health, employment, and education, because you deserve mental wholeness, your spiritual, social, mental, and physical readiness as a civilian and as a service member. To our reservists, this show is for you. Ms. Delphine was activated. But if you're a reservist, there is legislature that our past president Trump made for veterans 
where we recognize over 17 eras that they may apply for their benefits as an actual veteran. And women veterans, we are here for you live to say that we make up a growing percentage of active duty service members and to our African-Americans, the many, many eras of special cavalrymen, special detachments, the Tuskegee Airmen, and many more Black African-American groups that fought, they accomplished more with their willingness to join, especially as Marines, our Montford Point Marines, too, deserve to be remembered in history books, online libraries, and more than just movements. It's actual history that brings about unity because the Americas are actually built on diversity. So as we strive to return to diversity and we hear the stories like Mrs. Delphine is sharing today about hers, we can find hope in a hopeless world that divides our veterans unto suicides that they don't have to resort to if they know an agency like the DAV for free exists. All you have to do is find a helper or go online yourself to make the first step. Right, Ms. Delphine? That's very true. And a lot of people ask me, what does the DAV do? You know, the DAV is a nonprofit charity that provides a lifetime of support for our veterans in a positive, changing way. So uh, nearly, we have nearly 1,300 chapters with more than 1 million members across the country. Yes. Also, being a member of the DAV opens up doors, not only just for your benefits, but to meet people, to meet people like you, to understand what's going on, to mentor uh, individuals. I might have been the first, but I definitely don't want to be the last. Yes. And it's up to me, I do feel, in order to mentor others, if they want to step in these roles. And the DAV is definitely proud to do that. The DAV is such a progressive agency. It's one of the largest, most renowned, close advocates and actually uh, treasured partners with the VA.gov. And we mentioned the 800-273-8255 number because that's not always a call of risk. It's a call to discover your benefits at 800 827 1000. Now, 20 years after I got out of the Marine Corps in 1993 and Ms. Stelping got out in 1996, the benefits have become robust. There's a ramp program that will expedite your claim and you can have a free advocate with the DAV. And what's so great is that this is not a commercial or an infomercial about the DAV. It literally saved my life because Ms. Delphine said many key words in her talks this afternoon about family history, knowing your purpose, having others tell you who you are when you don't know, having people support you and challenge you and you do the work and finding those results with your kids and building them up towards their goals and knowing that her great-great-granddaughter's in the army today with what happened in Afghanistan. You are always made ready by the military. Even if you go through trauma like I did and Mrs. Delphine did, we can still find the positive reactions to take to live the best quality life. And that's why I love the DAVCal.org and the DAV Texas, the DAV Nevada, the DAV, every state has specialty programs for their state, your home state. So it starts with minuscule knowledge about how to register, 
Uh, we have still, the DAB spends millions of dollars on print. I received my magazine. You can join um, in the antiquated format of sending in a postcard for free to the DAV, or you can put a stamp on it, or you can call the number to our headquarters. But join, surround yourself with like military veterans, disabled American veterans. We even have the blind American veterans. We are still civilians, but we'll always have uniformity in our hearts. So Ms. Delphine is going to share the moment that she went up the ranks in the DEB to our national commander. I was there when she was crowned as the national commander of the DAV, commentating like today. Thank you for being here, Ms. Delphine. Oh, thank you. You know, this is so important. And like I said, now go back to children. A child cannot be what a child cannot see. And this is a good program to have for all of our veterans, not just for children. But it's great that you're bringing things out uh, to this magnitude. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time. You know, and that's why I love my DAV, um, because we're there to empower veterans to lead a high quality of life with respect and dignity. And this is what we want. And that's what we, we do every day. And it's no easy feat every day waking up. It is a constant plight. That's why it's so important that the DAB listens to resolve from the audience, from the actual new veteran to seasoned veterans from all the eras, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, World War I, World War II, female veterans, pets, caregivers. It's such a great place to discover how to create legislature that is made for each unique veteran and the veteran populace, the military families at large, from the pets all the way through the great-great-grandchildren, right? Right, right. So serving in leadership is actually a responsibility, and it takes a lot of hours to manage what roles you've had over the years. Yes, well, I started as third junior vice. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, she started as third, and you go up to, you meet a nominating committee every year, and they will be asking you questions, they will look at your resume and what have you, and if you pass that, you'll, you'll go up to an, another step. Oh, So yes. in uh, 2017, I was... Uh, had the honor of being the first female and of course African-American female to become, it was, it was really an honor, but it wasn't done by just me. Um, as I said, I've had so many men mentors. Uh, a couple of them I, I just have to bring out too is Congressman, he's retired now, Congressman George Miller. Congressman Miller, he saw something in me also when he asked me one day would I be on his advisory committee because we had to work together. I was so shocked when he sent me to President Obama's inauguration. He says, I want you to see this president. I thought back about my family, what would my mother say? Because I thought back about how in the early 50s, she would volunteer at the polls to vote because she couldn't vote, because she finished the fourth grade. And I thought about that, just seeing our president up there. It, it was just such a pleasurable thing. And I, I, I do thank George Miller for that. I received a congressional a, a letter of congratulations from now our vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. She was a senator at the time, but she sent me a nice letter when I became a national commander. My state has really been behind me in everything that I have done. It's just so many people, but I have to throw in my childhood. Christine, now we have to show in this. But Wait, first, without <laughs> further ado, we have to do one more thank you. One more because thing. I wanted okay. to show the world 
as listening from their camis to civvies about hierarchy and ranking and the respect that you've earned is over 40 plus years. I don't want to give away your youthful over 18 age, but the legacy and heritage of ruling in a leadership role is 40 years, correct? And we want to see that book come to fruition because of the story you're going to tell. On the Christina Silva Show, we've covered your life from the person of who you became from the heritage that you've been a mom and your your husband and what you could and couldn't do. And you've defied all of those reasonings by asking the right questions and standing up for righteousness and wanting justifications and learning how to legislate and learning how to follow things through until they become written into law. And now we want to share knowing that from the department level, which is the state of California, you went first, vice, second, third, fourth, and then became the Department of California commander all the way up through the chairs of the National Command. That is a lifetime of legacy. And we're going to define in one minute the story of the cloak closet. Take it away, Miss Delphine, as we wrap up this episode of the Christina Silva Show. Hey, the cloak closet. When <laughs> I was in the fourth grade, I had a teacher by the name of Miss Van. Miss Van would tell me at least three times a week, Delphine, Take your book and go sit in the closet. It wasn't a closet that you close. It was a cloak closet. You put your coat up on one hanger and you put your lunch up on the top. I enjoyed that, but she didn't know why I enjoyed it because all my friends knew I was going to be sitting in the closet because this was something she did to me all the time. But they would tell me, Delphine, my coat is the red coat. My mom made some good chocolate chip cookies. You can get one when you're back in the closet. Mm. So I was looking forward to go back there every time I could because I was having me some a good time. I love to read. And having my cookies at the same time, I thought I was doing great. Until one day I went home and my mom said, Delphine, how was school today? And I said, oh, Miss Van had me sit in the closet again. She had you what? What are you, what are you doing? I said, she just likes me. Now, I remember now, fourth grade. She <laughs> likes me and she know I love to read. And she said, well, I want to go up there and I'm going to see what's happening. So she went up to the school and asked Miss Van. Miss Van said, Delphine talks too much. And she said, oh, she does. He said, yes, she does. And my mom said, well, she won't do it after today. Well, of course, I went home and at our uh, house, we had fruit trees. And she said, go pick out your switch because you will not be talking in class. Mm -hmm. She spanked my little legs and I went back to school, didn't say one word to anyone. But thank goodness school was out in about three weeks. And I was going through the fifth grade. Well, my fifth grade teacher, and really, I cannot remember his name, but it was fifth grade, my first male teacher. He was trying to teach us civics. And he was telling everyone, well, if you want Susie, a secretary, wants someone to raise her hand, call out the name, and then we're going to count how many hands want her by putting your hands up. That's how we will count. So when it came to president, a friend of mine, Dick, said, I want Delphine as president. Now, we're talking in the 50s. And I'm like, I looked at him. I don't even know what a president does. You know, but this was just ridiculous. And I'm raising my hand and kept saying, can I talk? I can't do anything. And he said, he smiled, I remember, and said, Delphine, I'm going to see you after school. I thought I was in trouble again. So I stayed after school, and I sat beside his desk, and he said, you know, they never had this before. And I said, had what? They never had a girl present in, in my class. And I said, well, I can't do anything because Miss Ban will tell my mom again. And she said, we hear about you all the time in the teacher's lounge. And let me tell you something, Delphine, you have a gift. Yeah? He said, you ask questions. You don't assume anything. And you keep that because one day you're going to be somebody. And it was like, from then on, I didn't care. You know, he said I was going to be somebody. Fifth grade, you know. But I wonder if that had not happened. I know other things has happened in my life. 
But this is at an early age. It happened. It sure did. Well, this has been too short of an hour that flew by, but we have tidbits <laughs> we need to be encouraged by the lifetime legacy of Mrs. Delphine Metcalf Foster, First Sergeant, United States Army, retired, current VA policymaker, and over eight veteran organizations she has led and made differences in for our women and our families at large. Mrs. Delphine Metcalf Foster is written about on the internet, and you can look and find her full bio at the DAV.org, amongst many other platforms, including the Harvard Legal Page, where she was recently a spokesperson with a panel of very decorated guests. Ms. Delphine, I hope you enjoyed our up-close and personal truly respectable interview and I will look forward to seeing you in Solano County very soon to visit thank the Presidio you. in Vallejo. Thank you for listening thank to the Christina Silva Show. Thank you for you're doing for all of us. It's my pleasure and hey. we'll be back next week with Educating Our Veterans Live to salute our heroes of the United States of America and be safe. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Christina Silva Show. Be sure to check back for new episodes every Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you soon and Semper Fi.